Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm Brian Moran, and my guest today is Cliff Oxford, a returning guest to our show. Cliff is a serial entrepreneur, an author, a renowned speaker, and a columnist who's written for both the New York Times and Forbes. Today, Cliff and I are going to talk about two books that he recently wrote and released on the same day. Very impressive, Cliff. Uh, The first book, Lambs to Leaders, Liberal Arts Majors in Business Society, and his second book, Know, Grow, Exit, How Entrepreneurs Grow and Finish Fast. Welcome back to the Small Business Edge podcast, Cliff Oxford. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Always uh, good to hear from you. And congratulations on what you're doing in the marketplace. Well, thank you very much. And and Cliff is referring to our Small Business Edge community platform, which I appreciate. And I have to tell you, Cliff, in advance, both your books are two books that I've ordered and I plan on reading, making them a priority in in my reading because of how much they – focus on my business and where I'm at right now. I, I just, I feel like you actually wrote them for me and I wanted to thank you for that. <laughs> well, you know, everything I've done in entrepreneurship um, has been, let's get real. And that's why I think a lot of entrepreneurs responded to the Oxford, <clears throat> Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs, which we exited. Um, uh, and, um, uh, so, you know, I've always tried to keep it just like that. You're an entrepreneur and and what I'm doing should relate directly to you. And, you know, in No Grow Exit, I went through the sunny side. The, there's a dark side to entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a there's it's a great ride if it's right for you. And, you know, uh, you got to know a few things and get over a few hurdles. But I, I do try to keep it real. Um uh, sometimes you get the idea from some people, entrepreneurship is like going to Disney World. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it can be. There are times when, you, when you're at Disney World, but there are times when you're in the dumps, too. Yeah. Um, so we try to deal with all of that and no grow exit because <laughs> what we really want is for entrepreneurs to get liquid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when you said it's like Disney World, the first thing that came to mind was that Space Mountain roller coaster ride. Oh, good example. Good example. <laughs> right? That you just, you're on that ride over and over and over again. Yeah. So, all right. Well, and you have a fascinating story. First of all, you, you are a great storyteller. I got so many listeners who wrote to me uh, after our first podcast saying how much they enjoyed it. You know, you talked about how technology is disrupting everything in our lives and business. And I got such great feedback that when I saw that you were coming out with not one, but two books at the same time, I wanted to make it a priority to get you um, back in on the show. Very so good. let's. Let's talk about Lambs to Leaders first, because to me, this is this seems like a must-read book for anybody who is just starting out in business or um, you know starting their own company. Um, the Lambs to Leaders is your guide to starting a new job or company with an MBA mindset. 
And I just want to read a couple of takeaways that I, I did some research on. You get to learn road rules on business etiquette and common customs, have win-win negotiations, how to write and speak business lingo, how to deal with a bad boss or a brilliant jerk, and then you have a glossary of business terms. I mean, this is <clears throat> this is one of those books that I envision it's going to be dog-eared and highlighted, and people are really going to use it almost like as a roadmap for their first year in business or first year starting their own company. Is that how you see it? Well, that's how it is. I mean, that's, uh, you, you nailed it um, since we released it. Uh, you, if you look at my LinkedIn account, Natasha sent an email, and she's a partner at EY, and she called me and said, we're going to give this to every new person that comes in this office that we hire. So wow. you know, starting at EY is a big deal for a, a young person. And she says, we don't care what degree they come with, um, but we're going to get them to start. And it's, um, you know, in that book, there's everything from all the lingo, the language, including don't, burn popcorn in the microwave the first week. <laughs> Don't bring tuna fish in the, in the microwave. Um, I've had somebody do that at my company. I honest <laughs> to God. And I was, I was, uh, and I'm going to have my friend listen to this. I was leasing space from a friend of mine who had a, a big company and he came into my office one day and he said, your assistant burned popcorn in the microwave. And I said, yeah. And he said, the entire office smells and will smell like that for a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had a little arts major do that. And <laughs> she was so embarrassed and, you know, it kind of stunted her growth for a little bit. It was psychologically, but, uh, yeah. and then, you know, the other thing is, you know, how do you deal with a bad boss? And, you know, the first thing we say is just don't quit because you're going to get a bad boss. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a dog eared reference guide. We're, we're finding that. And, you know, we were a little surprised. No one had ever done this in a book. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, so, um, we, we think it will be a good place to start. And, you know, it says liberal arts majors, but I'm finding business, you know, a business student coming from E, you know, to an EY or to any company also has benefited from it greatly. I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, but it, it, it is like a, one of those finishing classes. Okay, you've learned everything <clears throat> about accounting or IT or business management. But here's, it's almost like here's the cement that's going to fill in the cracks in your foundation. Yeah, that's so right. That, so that you can really, you can have a solid foundation from which you can leverage a lot of opportunities, but it's almost like here are the most common mistakes that people make in business when they're just starting out or even starting their own company. Yes, or starting their own company, very much so. You know, and liberal arts majors and creatives and artists and all are, are one of the fastest growing groups that are starting their own companies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, for them, I, I think, we work very hard to ramp them up as quickly as possible so they could use their creative skills and what they bring to the table. So in looking at it, 
<clears throat> tell me, you know, you have learned the road rules on business etiquette and common customs. Do you have like an example or two of what what that might include? You know, I, I, yesterday I had a a person who bought the book from the University of Texas. She's graduating, and she um, contacted me and said, "Why did you say not to have the large Slurpee cup at my desk?" <laughs> You know, and she says, I just find that very, very odd. And I said, well, think about it. You're walking into an office environment with an, you know, the 48 ouncer. It's just, the optics are just not good. And think about it, build it. My gosh, you would flood the office. Uh, so, oh, my God. And she was totally uh, just amused. Of that, and I actually saw yeah. that one. Yeah. Day. I put that in the book because one time I had someone come in with a forty-eight ounce Slurpee <laughs> cup, and so th- that would uh, that would be you know one example right mm-hmm. there. The the yeah. other example is um, you know if you've been on the job for two weeks, don't be asking off Friday to go out with the guys or girls to a weekend trip. You know you're in you're in you're in business now. Um, yeah. um, and uh, so get ready to buckle down some. Uh, so yeah. we took it from the serious to the fun. And and that's smart. You know, part it, it sounds like, um, you know, part of you, you almost ha- you should have a, a chapter on common sense, you know, com- <laughs> right? It, because it, common sense is not so common these days. And the funny thing is, it wasn't as common even, you know, when I started out or when you started out probably, right, where, um, you know, we, we made our mistakes and you look back on them and you think about how foolish they were. But, you know, that's how you learn and grow. That's exactly right. And, you know, by the way, my like my son did not come to the um, book launch and he called me and said, or actually he was here and I think he was with Christy and me here. And he says like, uh, Lamb's leader says, I can't ask off the first week because he had just started with Peloton. Okay. He started with Peloton and he's like, it was his first, very first, first or second week. And, and I said, that is exactly right. Um, Peloton right now is more important than your dad's book launch. We'll have many book launches and you can come to. Um, and that was a, you know, it, it's not all easy. I, I would love yeah. to have him there, but it's, but uh, so some of that common sense stuff, um, I think we've gotten away from. And, you know, I also think problems a day are magnified. I mean, when you come in and make mis- mistakes are magnified now. Mm-hmm. with social media and with all of that. So yeah, a good common sense. And, and Brian, you know, this at the end of the day, business is a lot of common sense. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of common sense to it. So, uh, and in business, and I found out liberal arts majors and creatives, I uh, saw business, as this, we come in and spend 20% of our time on budgeting, 20% of our time on HR and 20, they saw a lot more formulaic and they get, they get really shocked when they come in and find it's a lot of informal relationships with people running around and uh, all of that. So that's kind of a culture shock to people who are not used to business. 
It, it, and so maybe a good piece of advice is, but you know, before you start your first day at work, go through scenarios and try and imagine what your days are going to be like. We, we lay out that in Lambs, the leaders. We lay out that, hey, this is what day one's going to look like. Yeah. I mean, you work for a fancy Wall Street Journal, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I worked for UPS. It was a lot of chaotic <laughs> running around in the office. Yeah, um, yeah. And getting things done, you know, very informally, even though you, you – can you imagine what a liberal arts major in history thinks y'all did at the Wall Street Journal every day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know what? And it's understanding expectations. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I said to my daughter, who who now works for a big tech company, you know, their expectations are they're they're going to ask you to do something once. They don't want to have to ask you to do it twice or three times. So here's here's your project. Here's when I need it by, and here's what I want it to look like. Uh, so that's great they, advice. And we're yeah. covering lambs of leaders. Uh, they got to now even look around at their environment and be aware of their surroundings <laughs> and look for you know. Don't wait to be told what to do. You're going to, have to take some chances and just yeah. do some things. Um, and, and, and I like your, your advice about how to deal with a bad boss or a brilliant jerk, because <laughs> that, that is so dead on. And, and I, and thankfully my daughter has had a phenomenal team around her, really her, the, the leaders at her company are world-class good. And wow. she's learned yeah, so much from awesome. them. That's, and I said to her, you important. know, this is this is almost like Disney World because the real world is you know you've got people who are territorial they have their own agendas they are they will kill a project simply because it didn't come out of their department and and so it's you know you'll find out that the real world is not fair at all and none of this stuff makes sense and it's not your job to make sense of it in in a larger corporation when you are a cog in the wheel but you need to learn from that so that when you are in a position of leadership, you know what not to do. Right. Exactly. So this is great. And, and um, one of the things that I want to do for everybody who's listening right now, and Cliff, I, I haven't even told you this yet, but we're going to buy some copies of Lambs to Leaders. And I want to give them out to people who... Uh, are listening to this podcast, who follow us on social media. So you and I and, and Christy can work that out after, uh, but maybe maybe we can even get some signed copies uh, that we will uh, give out to people who feel like they need this, they want to dog ear it, they want to highlight it, they want to use it as their roadmap for their first year in business. That would be great. We Good. Would, we'd love to work with you on that. Okay, excellent. All right. Now, now, unlike all my other guests who've come out with books and that we've talked about on the podcast, we're going to go to your second book released on the same day, uh, No Grow Exit, uh, How Entrepreneurs Grow and Finish Fast. And I have to tell you, this book definitely resonated with me. And given, you know, we're, we're launched our second company, the Small Business Edge uh, platform, Um are you practicing what you preach in this book? Because you've had, you had two companies, right? You had your, your um, TSI, STI knowledge company, yep. which you grew the heck out of and sold it. And then uh, you went to Emory. And from there, you kind of informally started 
the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs in 2008. You, you kind of let it germinate while we we're going through the recession. And then you really formalized the membership in about 2012. And you had that for six years. And then you exited a company, which I know you loved. So are you practicing what you preach with no grow exit? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I explained in no grow exit, you really, what's a little bit counterintuitive is you really want to sell when things are going well. And, and many times entrepreneurs say, why would I? Well, yeah, something yeah. to sell. You got, you, you can sell the future. If you wait till you're in a ditch and you go, wow, this is not fun anymore. That's a bad time to sell because, you know, in due diligence, people are going to see the writing on the wall. Yeah. So um, I was having a great time. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and we had reached some scale. And that's why I decided to sell because it was a great time for the platform to move on to Advantage Media Forbes books. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it was, you know, and we go through it in the book, how to decide when to sell. Um, I think uh, and that's all that training that I've done for others. It was time to, it was time to practice it. Now, STI knowledge, it was, uh, it was time to sell because uh, not only had we just won the Gartner group magic quadrant as visionary ex, uh, execution in our, category, but also it was getting with that many people now, hundreds of people. Um, I was looking at ahead at how I'm going to finance this thing. I mean, as you, you know, getting into $70 million of revenue, yeah. it's a big financing vehicle. So I said, you know, if I finance this thing, uh, what it's going to cost me is, is, is not as much as I can exit right now. So, uh, it was, it's a, it's a great, the M&A market is a great market and part of the Oxford Center. We help companies exit and uh, we had a, a very robust M&A after membership. And uh, it was, um, you know, it's a great market right now. I, I was there in 2010 when you couldn't sell anything, you know, under any circumstance. And right now, right. right now, there's, you know, it's, it's a good market. I, I agree. A little volatile, obviously, global markets, you know, yeah. the yeah. kind of lingering yeah. of, a, of a potential recession, which I don't see happening. But yeah, I, I agree. A much better market. But you are so right. You know, it's funny. I, you know, I, I will go to Las Vegas on conferences and, and whatnot. And, uh, and I like to play blackjack. And and my thought around blackjack is when you double your money, leave. Yeah. I don't care how many times you've won, you know, like six hands in a row, seven hands in a row. Maybe sometimes I'll cheat a little bit and I'll say, okay, my first losing hand is when I'm going to drop out because now I'm, I'm playing with other people's money. And by that same token, if I lose the money that I put on the table, I walk away as well. So actually, I give myself parameters, and whether they're right or wrong, it's worked for me for years. Right, and and it's got to be the same thing with your company. And <clears throat> I made that mistake back in 
you know, 2005, six and seven, I had a print publishing company and I had the opportunity to sell it. And we walked down the aisle twice with two different companies. We're halfway down the, you know, the wedding aisle and, um, you know, things happen. One of the, one of our prospective buyers sold his company. He was a, an investment banker, sold his company or his, uh, his uh, portfolio of publishing companies. And, we wound up talking to his successor and I just never wanted to do it. But I missed that window and then the recession hit. And as you said, nobody wanted to buy anything. Yeah, yeah. So in No Grow Exit, though, do you talk about the importance of having advisors, be- seeing what you can't see? Well, I, I, yes. But, I, you know, if you read this book. Um, and I'm going I, to. And I, and I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm settling a little bit here, but I'm. I'm also being serious. Um, you will get a better feel uh, and, and know just about what advisors can tell you. You want some great advice, read the book. And um, you can, if your company is a certain size, you probably could almost, you could sell your company yourself, understanding no grow exit. So, yeah, that's what it was written for is because let's face it. I mean, uh, uh Investment bankers, lawyers, accountants have their own agenda. And, and I right. explained this in the book. Not many people are out there solely looking for the entrepreneur agenda. And that's why you got to know this stuff um, and not just listen to everybody else. You, and, and their advice can be very good if you're outfitted with this information because you can filter through it and see what's in your best interest. Right. Right. And, and you're dead on. And that is, you know, pulling yourself out of the weeds of your business and, and into the clouds where you can see the 10,000 foot view of your business. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, am I leaving money on the table? Am I selling too early? Did I am I selling too late? Did I miss the window? Um, you also talk about in, in the book, um, do or die hurdles. Right. Yep. Dealing with the do or die hurdles and no grow exit. What are some examples of do or die hurdles? Well, you know, for example, after hyper growth, which revenue is solving a lot of problems that we don't know about. But those problems raise their head, you know, when the tide goes out a little bit, when the revenue tide goes out and you have to decide who's your customer. Uh, and we're we're going to be a Motel 6. Are we going to be a Holiday Inn? Are we going to be a Ritz Carlton? Right. And you start right. having to say no to people, and that's very unusual to say no. I don't want your business, or at least not target right. them. And um, you know, you take Motel Six, we leave the light on for you, and not much else. You know, don't expect a newspaper at your door. Don't expect you know four hundred thread sheet count thread sheets. But we'll leave the light on for you. And that's a brilliant message they give. So you got to start messaging your customer. Um, sure. So that's a hurdle. Uh, mm-hmm. If you start, if you keep trying to serve everybody, uh, that's a do or die hurdle. Right. You, you, you spread yourself too thin. Nobody's going to be happy. Nobody's going to be happy. And, you, and, and growth will go off the rails. And then every, you got everybody unhappy. 
Right, right. You, 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 that's key. And, and because when you, and you can appreciate this, when you start to have success in your business, people want to partner with you and they bring their own agendas. And that's a great way for you to get taken off course. Right. Absolutely. So somebody looks at you and you're a Motel 6 and somebody's trying to make you a Holiday Inn or a Ritz Carlton because they see your success and they say, oh, come with us this way and, and we can do great things together. But they're really pulling you into their agenda. Absolutely. That's a big that's a big piece after success. Right. And and it's so important to realize that we've all made that mistake. I've made that mistake a couple of times where <clears throat> I had some initial success. Other people come in and they try selling me their agenda. And it goes back to what something I call a GPS plan. A GPS plan tells you where you want to go specifically and then how you want to get there. It's almost like, you know, plugging in the, the address into your smartphone. If you can do the same thing with your business, usually it's a number, right? A revenue number or a profit number. But you say, this is where I want to be at the end of the year. Then every decision you make between now and the end of the year is a means to an end. It should get you to that number. And so when you look at partnership opportunities, the first question you ask is, does this get me closer or further away from my goal? Yeah. And then, right? And, and, and the person may be a prince in their own category, but mm-hmm. if it's taking you out of your category, you can't, you got to say no. You know, I, I, and right. I explained in No Grow Exit, although it's K-N-O-W, you know, K-N-O, the few things you need to know, but the sure. other no, N-O, is also a good answer. Yeah. So now you, you also talk about three phases of business growth in the book. There's hyper growth, human and financial scaling. And I love this one. How to stay out of no man's land between being a big operation and a small one. Love that. So I, I, I'm going to flip this a little bit because that third one, that that third phase of business growth I feel like that's where my company is right now. So I'm going to benefit personally from your response. <laughs> good, good. By the way, you're not alone. You know, out of, uh, you know, for um, out of 11 companies that get to 1 million, nine of them never see 2 million. Because most really get into no man's land. All right. So, so what, so I want, define what a big operation is. It, it, and is that different for each person? Yeah, that's different from each person. I mean, what, but they are, but no matter what size, no man's lands have a common thread, which is even when you grow, your rate of expenses grow faster than the rate of profit. Mm. So that next widget you make or that next service you provide, there's a, there's the rate of that expense is higher than the rate of profit than that widget creates. Well, you can see where that ultimately leads. That ultimately leads to the more I grow, the more expensive it is for me to run this place. So that gets you, that drives you in the no man's land. Now, now, all right. So that seems counterintuitive to what most entrepreneurs would think that if I've already 
built my platform, that adding an extra widget is simply leveraging my platform because I have these existing expenses and that my my average cost per widget would go down. Um, that's what we would think. That's what we would, that's what I thought, um, <laughs> until I got dri- driven in no man's land over at STI knowledge. And yeah, you know, we went to, we went from 300 people to about 150 until we figured out, you know what, we're going to have to get rid of some services because these services are so expensive for us to produce. Right. They're eating off our, our profits. So we had to adjust and you know, we were able to go, you know, start growing again. But it was uh, it was having to say, hey, maybe we can't be in the retail and the wholesale business. We only can right. be in the wholesale business. So that's where um, we get in trouble with that. So it's a very common mistake and often deadly. And, and so when you talk about the three business, the three phases of business growth, the hyper growth, it's, you know, you break out onto the business scene and you're, you're, you're a darling and everybody loves you and they start buying you and you're like the new shiny toy. Right. And then it gets into the human and financial scaling, which is what you're talking about a little bit, right? That you're suddenly you're expenses are outpacing your revenue, right? Yeah, that's right. But if you don't have, what what it sounds like what you're saying is if you don't have a plan for that growth ahead of time, that's where you can get into trouble? Is that that a do or die hurdle? Hyper growth, um, and some companies skip no man's land, not many, but some, uh, and they go right into what we call human scale, and what you're trying to do with human scale is that you can add people and profits uh, instead of adding people and ooh, it's hitting the bottom line again. You know, the CFO's so upset. Um, and that's the shaky ground you're trying to get to on human scale. And, and you have to take some chances um, when you're doing that. Uh, I remember, you know, I'd walk down the hall and, somebody in HR, if we could, if we could hire one more person, we could find better recruits. We need one more person and accounting, they need one more person. And if sales had one more salesperson, we could do this. And that's all about getting the human scale. And, you know, so, you know, I would say, yes, yes, yes. I would say, yes, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. the CFO would just be so mad at me when I ran into him in the hall. Like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. finally I kept, I started looking out my office door to see if the CFO was around so I could hide from him. You know, I'd jump into a car <laughs> coming by. Because I was killing him. But I was trying to help the company. But uh, so that's the, it's just a hurdle you got to get through. Right, right. And so uh, we are in the home stretch of our podcast, which is unfortunate. So I have to have you back on later this year. I love talking to you. I do take a lot of notes when you talk because you've been there, you've done it, you've seen what so many people have yet to experience. And it's kind of like the roadmap. So your lambs to leaders 
is for you know people just starting out in business and your no grow exit are for people like me who've been in business even you know many years but you know that no man's land is an interesting place to be because it seems like there are just so many uh, landmines and without having without having an understanding of okay you know it's going to take this long to get from where we are now to where we want to go and so we need to be prepared for that you know and and this is what it's going to take in order for us to become a big operation which is what we want before we exit yeah get out of no man's land it doesn't just happen it doesn't like you know you wake up one morning and it's not usually an aha moment that gets you out. It's usually some tough decisions. You know, yeah. Who's going to be our customer? What services do we need to focus on or products do we need to focus on? And what do we need to get rid of? And right. so that's, yeah, no man's land is, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because it's the number one hindrance to why companies don't grow. And right, it it a lot of it has to do with, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know you climb a few rungs on the ladder of success, and you think to yourself, I never thought I was going to get this far, right. or right. now it's a question of, am I a small business owner or am I an entrepreneur? Because an entrepreneur, they want they want to be a big operation, they want to grow that. A small business owner they're happy, you know, being on that plateau. They're like, you know what? This is a good place to be, but they've extended themselves a little too far and pushed them in, themselves into that no man's land that you talk about. And it's, as you say, you know, they've got to get rid of some services. They've got to scale back a little bit so that it's not so unwieldy. Yeah. You know, I mean, a great example. I got an entrepreneur right now. She has a $7 million company and she's profitable but not really. She's really in no man's land because what she has done, she has strung it out where it's, it's her and a staff of uh, entry level people and they're running that thing on a shoestring. And she's <laughs> see, look at me, I'm profitable, but, but she's hit a ceiling. She can't grow anymore. And if you really put in the leadership she really needs, um, she wouldn't be profitable. Right. And so she's got to, and we, we looked at it and we figured out she's making two mistakes. She's pricing too low and she's offering to do too much. Yeah. And to compensate, to cover up that, she's very, you know, she's very savvy. She's to compensate for that. She's just had a, she's just running it and stringing it out. Um, yeah. But you, but smart buyers, see that in due diligence mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and then what they do, they um, do, uh, they, they say, well, if you had a CFO and if you had this, you really wouldn't be making money. Um, so uh, that, but that's okay. But you see, that's, that's now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, you would know better than me, but um, some, buyers are looking for not what you've done in the past, but more so what you can do for them in the future. When Microsoft bought LinkedIn, LinkedIn was an unprofitable company. Right. But they had such incredible 
intellectual property that they bought it for $26 billion. Yeah. Because Microsoft said, you know, this foundation, this company, the way it is right now is unprofitable. But putting this into our system like a plug and play operation, this is going to greatly enhance all of the things that we're doing. Yeah, selling the future. That's what you know, explain the past, sell the future is what we say. Don't you sell go. your past. Uh, right. Sell the right. future. Sell the future. Um, and that that is definitely, most definitely, the idea of getting liquid is selling the future. You're absolutely correct. I, I don't care how many homes you sold in the past. You know, I say to the realtor, I want to know that you can sell my home, home that's in right. the future. <laughs> Right. That's exactly right. I want to I wrap it up with with one more thing from from No Grow Exit. And and by the way, I want to do the same thing with this book. So let's talk offline. But I want to get some copies. And thanks to our sponsor of these shows, Pitney Bowes, we're going to be able to send these out. They have this great machine, Send Pro. I, I I'll show you how it works. It's fantastic. I literally put the book on the scale. They tell me where to set. You know how much it's going to cost. They print the label and I send it out. So. Thanks to them for that. But um, so for everybody who's listening, I'm going to get copies of Lambs to Leaders and I'm going to get copies of No Grow Exit for you. Um, and, and we'll have some sort of contest or giveaway. Um, but you, you, one of the last things you talk about in No Grow Exit is wealth creation is tied directly to great health, charity and a lasting legacy. Explain that. Yeah, the most miserable people in the world, I say, is a billionaire on the beach. Um, <laughs> um, and yet we all want to be that billionaire on the beach. For a short period of time until we get there. Yeah. Um, uh, are you, so uh, we, we have looked at it and, you know, 80% of entrepreneurs who sell um, are unhappy one year after the sale. They're unhappy that, and this is why we made a big impact in M&A, because without the help of us, the, the culture out there of bankers, lawyers, the terms, they, the terms were not on a level playing field for the entrepreneur, but also not just financial, but, you know, the, these companies are the identity of entrepreneurs. They're making a difference. And when you realize I'm waking up every morning and I'm not making a difference and I don't have that identity. <clears throat> it can be very miserable and panic stricken. And guess what? A, a whopper bad decision can be made because you're in that land of, I don't think I am significant. So where we found entrepreneurs that are, are, are very happy, ones that uh, have taken care of their health uh, without that, um, it, no matter how much money you got, you don't really have anything. And all right. the ones that have built a legacy. Um, for some, I'll give you an example, even for myself, of one of the things I do right now is I'm helping mullet fishermen. And I don't, if your audience is not familiar with a mullet fish, it's actually a very important fish in the marshes and uh, tides. They are kind of the janitors and climate change has really affected them. So we have a mullet festival every year. And uh, fishermen come around because 
this is, this is important for the shrimp fishermen, the lobster fishermen, and everybody. And keeping that alive every year has been it's been a great joy. Um, knowing that you're helping uh, the ocean, the whole ocean marine biology. So you got to find out what it is. You know what really, you know, for lack of better, I guess, pun intent, floats your boat. Yeah, mine happens to be mullet. And yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's not like you got to have your name on a building, right? It, it, it's something you can identify with. Uh, so that's the part of the legacy uh, that we help in the book entrepreneurs find what is your what is your legacy you want to have? Right, right. Uh, in a in a separate book and one that I've subscribed to and read um, at least four or five times is Viktor Frankl's book Man's Search for Meaning. What is the meaning of your life? Right, exactly. It's it's the ultimate question that we can ask ourselves, and that should inspire us to get out of bed every single day and build on that. You know, so that at the end of our lives, as we're lying on our laying on our deathbeds, you know, you look back and you say, you know, I lived a, I lived the life that I was meant to live. Yeah, and I mean, even after I'm gone, I think this mullet festival will continue on, you know, for for decades, and you know, hopefully one day my great great grandchild will be down at the mullet festival. It, when is the mullet festival? <laughs> it's in Niceville, Florida, and it's All right. in um, October. All right. So for those of you listening, interested, or in the area, it's uh, Niceville, Florida. Where is that near? That's near Panama City. Uh, okay. Beach, um, a little bit just south of uh, that, that, that area of the Panhandle. So if you're in the area, Panama City, Niceville, Florida, in October, uh, stop by the Mullet Festival and say hi to Cliff. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. There you go. Fantastic. All right, Cliff, this has been, a, as always, a wonderful conversation. I love talking to you. I learned so much from you. And I definitely am going to follow up with you on getting copies of those books that I can give to um our listeners, because I think, and, and I want, I really want to give them to people where it's going to have an impact on their lives and their businesses. So, because I know that, that knowing you, I know that the content of the book will help them. And I'm going to keep one of them for myself, by the way. So thank you so much for having us on and uh, we'll be happy to come back anytime you need us. Okay. Yes. That's a definite. I want you to be a regular. Uh, so thanks to Cliff Oxford today to talk, for talking to us about his two books, Lambs to Leaders and No Grow Exit. And thank everyone for listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. As always, send us your feedback, send us your suggestions for future guests on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.